All right, day one hundred nine. Can you believe it? The media—they've—they've they've moved on. They don't—they don't seem to care a lick about the fact that we abandoned Americans, green card holders, military families, uh, our Afghan allies. They—they uh, just, they just don't care, and they don't report on it. If it was Donald Trump, they would. But of course, <laughs> that's not going to happen because that's just not the way they roll, is it? Um, we've got a lot to cover today. Um, we have some numbers out. Biden's polling numbers underwater in every single battleground state. Morning consult uh, polling calculated Biden's approval rating with registered voters in every U.S. state. The finding Biden is currently underwater in 32 states while he has a positive net approval rating in just 18 states. Let me guess. California, New York. Uh, when you zoom in on the battleground states, things look even worse for the White House. In the 11 states that Fortune considered battleground states in 2020, Biden's approval rating is underwater in every single one of them. Iowa, minus 11. Ohio, minus 10. Arizona, minus 9. Those battleground states followed by Wisconsin, minus 7. Pennsylvania, minus 5. Florida, minus 5. North Carolina, minus 5. Michigan minus four, Nevada minus three, Georgia minus three, New Hampshire minus two. Um, if in fact that held for three years, he'd lose in a 316 to 222 electoral landslide. Majority of likely voters also, if you look at uh, the Trafalgar poll that just came out, that's Robert Cahaley, our friend. Majority of voters, in fact, blame Biden for the divisions among the American people. Anyway, to what extent do you believe Biden is responsible for the divisions of the American people? Yep, 54.2% of likely voters believe Biden was responsible for these divisions. Uh, by the way, he did not get a particularly warm reception when he went to Minnesota yesterday. Uh, you know, let's go Brandon and F. Joe Biden signs pretty much everywhere. Uh, younger Americans, a key part of the Democratic party socialist base have soured on joe polling now despite winning roughly three and five voters under the age of 30 biden's approval rating now slipping below 50 percent among the youngest segment of the electorate according to a new harvard youth poll released uh, uh earlier today uh i mean it, it's it, there's nothing good here there's no good nothing good happening uh, by the way, the, this guy, Nye, who's the famous for being the science guy in a children's educational program back in the 90s, appeared on a TikTok video to promote the, you know, multi-trillion dollar Build Back Better New Green Deal socialism bill. And during the 82-second video, he's joined by Biden, who he referred to as Amtrak Joe. Infrastructure is cool, he declared. Video provide that's almost as bad as Kamala Harris Hiring child actors, firing a communications director, just like Joe did. And then also, uh, you know, it's the dumbest video I think I've ever seen any politician do. You know, Biden again is out there lying, claiming sending your kids to preschool will cost zero under Build Back Better. Will cost maybe zero for parents, but it's going to cost the rest of, you know, this whole Marxism uh, to each according to their need from each according to their ability uh, that's not going to work. Let him buy cars. Buttigieg, by the way, has been blasted for urging Americans to get electric cars to save on fuel costs. Well, why don't we go back to the energy independence policies? That's the thing about 
Afghanistan. We can go rescue. We can make a deal with the Taliban. If you let our Americans out, or we're going to bomb you into smithereens. We'll destroy you. We could do that. We can control the border. Just bring back the Trump policies. Stay in Mexico policy. Build the wall more. You know, end catch and release or process and release. You can do that, too. You want energy independence? You want lower energy prices? You want to pay a buck fifty less a gallon? You want to save a thousand dollars heating your home this winter? Well, just go back to being a net exporter of energy. We'll get rich, high-paying career jobs in the energy sector. Let's get it back. Maybe we can, and then stop Vladimir Putin's waiver, and we should be providing our Western European allies with all the energy that they need. Of course, we're not going to do any of this. It's you know that would, they can't admit that. Where do you think most of the inflation is coming from? High cost—they're all associated with energy. It's the single best thing he'd ever do for the economy. Um, we have information out that is pretty fabulous, actually, because we've been telling you about all of these accounting tricks that are being used by the Democrats and their Build Back Better New Green Deal socialism. Now, the gold standard is, is according to the Democrats, that would be the Congressional Budget Office. They're the ones that concluded, no, $367 billion in in cost uh, and debt that we're going to put on our children and grandchildren. That's on the $1.75 trillion. Anyway, Penn uh, Wharton, there's hardly a, an institution of right-wing radicalism. They put together a budget model. And this is on the committee on the budget in the Senate. And anyway, they issued a statement after the CBO committed to providing an extended 10-year analysis of the provisions in the reckless New Green Deal socialism bill. Uh, I'm pleased that, let's see, uh, the CBO will be scoring Build Back Better. Well, we already know the answer. But anyway, when the analysis was applied by the Penn Wharton. Now, we're talking about Wharton Business School, UPenn. We're talking about, you know, an Ivy League education here. These people are a lot of things. They're not stupid. Anyway, and the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. Independently, both these groups concluded that a 10-year score in terms of the actual cost of the bill are not what Joe and Kamala and Jen Psaki have been telling us, that it doesn't, it costs zero. trillion, that's all it is. No, what they're saying is if you don't allow for sunsetting, in other words, using the accounting trick, oh, well, the bill lasts for 10 years, but we're only going to include one, two, or three years in factoring in what the cost of it is. When you actually put in the real cost and stop playing accounting games, it's over $4.5 trillion rather than the $1.75 trillion uh, or the zero that Democrats have been claiming. And these two separate groups, again, Penn Wharton, their budget model, and the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, their budget model, and the CBO's initial $367 billion estimate, uh, if the spending programs, you know, up to $3 trillion, by the way, they concluded $3 trillion if the spending programs are not sunset. So anywhere between three and four point five trillion. That's not zero, Joe, Kamala, Jen. It's not zero. You're lying. Just like you're lying when you say, 
Oh, I have. Uh, what do you mean $450,000 to illegal immigrants? That's never good. That's a garbage question. You need to stop talking about it. And they start finding out, oh, that is our policy. Who knows what's worse? Just like, oh, we don't need to test illegal immigrants either for COVID. They're not going to be here very long. How many more of these lies are we going to take? Um, we In the dark of the night, dispersing people with preferential treatment that are illegal immigrants that didn't respect our laws and sovereignty, the idea that we would pay them money if, in fact, they had family separation issues, that would be their problem for coming here illegally. They caused that. But we're going to give them $450,000 that we can't afford? And then you can add, you know, all of this together is a disaster for the country. Anyway, the bill is written. If, in fact, you, you get away with, if you take out the accounting gimmicks, you know, $1.75 trillion becomes $4.5 trillion and increases the deficit $3 trillion. Oh, I guess that's going to cost us zero, right, Joe? It's just a, a big, fat lie on every level. And this, this is your new modern liberal democratic party. Now, one political issue involving this, and I had mixed reports on this today, and that is, you know, the Washington Post reported that Mitch McConnell is open to a debt ceiling deal. And remember, it, what was it, September? He had been saying, the Republicans said for four months, we will not assist the Democrats in raising the debt ceiling. You know, then we're getting up on the, the, the final hour and Mitch McConnell caved. If Mitch McConnell caves this time, Mitch McConnell needs to not be the Senate minority leader. We need a new we need some leader that will actually keep their word. Now, there is a conflicting report, to be fair, because the Washington Post said one option to avoid the debt default scheduled for Friday. But Janet Yellen says it. It's the 15th of December is to work out a deal with McConnell in which Republicans refrain from filibustering and increasing the ceiling that Democrats would pass on their own outside the reconciliation process, even if Republicans won't vote for it. Now, you'd think McConnell wouldn't let that happen because he has the he has the procedural parliamentary maneuvers that could prevent it. But when Punchbowl News asked McConnell about it, he seemed oddly conciliatory, saying he's discussing it with Chuck Schumer. All this is doing is buying Democrats more time to get their new Green Deal radical socialism through. The very opposite of what we ought to be doing for the country, the economy, a 31-year high with inflation, high energy costs, high heating costs, and, and everything else costing more because of, of Joe's not only economic policies, but his energy policies. Now, on the other hand, publicly, Mitch is saying something else. And this was in on Fox Business. He says, since Democrats decided to go it alone, they will not get Senate Republicans' help with raising the debt limit. I've explained this clearly and consistently for over two months. But, you know, this now goes back to him making the same promise before. I've explained it. You know, we do not have divided government. Democrats don't need our help. They have every tool to address the debt limit on their own. McConnell's comments up the ante between the two parties. And in the end, last time, they they McConnell caved. 
The Freedom Caucus has written McConnell and said today the House of Representatives will pass over our objection, a continuing resolution to fund the government without ending any of Biden's very damaging, un-American and in worst cases, unlawful vaccine mandates. As you know, the current government funding mechanism expires Friday night. Thus, Senate Republican Conference enjoys the important leverage against those mandates. We therefore write to request that you use all procedural tools at your disposal to deny timely passage of the CR continuing resolution uh, that it prohibits funding in all respects for vaccine mandates and enforcement thereof. I think they're on to something that's actually called fighting. Now, my guess is, and by the way, Donald Trump is urging McConnell not to cave again. He rebuked McConnell for having given the Democrats a pass the last time. Mitch and Republican senators had them beaten, didn't know it. We ended up with an infrastructure bill, which is only 11% infrastructure. And worse, he allowed a splitting of the bills with 19 votes, including himself, which makes the Democrats path for even a worse bill, much easier. Use the debt ceiling, Mitch. Show strength and courage. Our country's being destroyed. President's right. We'll see what happens. Stay tuned. I don't have a lot of faith in Mitch McConnell. And this is the last draw for me. Mitch McConnell caves on this again or or doesn't procedurally stop it. It's the same thing. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Sean Hannity show uh, Fed chair Jerome Powell yesterday it's actually happening while we were on the air retiring the word transitory and in describing inflation what's the White House's reaction they use the word transitory and temporary <laughs> you can't even make this up Joe Biden is using every weapon in his arsenal to fight inflation no he's not Jen Psaki no he's not begging OPEC and Russia to increase oil production when all you have to do is ask Texas and and other states, uh, that would do more to reduce the 31-year high in inflation than any other single thing you can do. By the way, home prices now an annual increase of 19.1% in September. Uh, Pelosi and Schumer blasting Trump for high gas prices. How could you blast Trump for high gas prices? Anyway, uh, we found some tweets. This one in May of 2018 from Chucky Schumer. Uh, are you creeping along on fumes because hashtag gas prices are so high? I'll join Senator Cantwell, Senator Menendez, Senator Markey, and push POTUS, meaning Donald Trump, to f- to start fighting for lower gas prices for hardworking Americans uh, live in a few minutes. Then we have Nancy Pelosi, June 30th, 2018. Prescription drug prices are skyrocketing. Gas prices continue to rise. Healthcare costs and premiums are through the roof. Wages are stagnant. What is the solution with Trump and Republicans in, in Washington? Propose more tax cuts for the ultra wealthy. You can't make this stuff up. We're paying on average a buck fifty more a gallon and paying more to heat and cool our homes and paying a fortune for every single thing we buy. Uh, and we're going to, you know, now you can take those words, those tweets, and you can eat them. 
Anyway, we'll continue. I-25 now to the top of the hour. Uh, I didn't see the interview. We were just talking about it in the break. Apparently, Alec Baldwin gave an interview. I assume Stephanopoulos, right? He's he's the usual left-wing suck-up on ABC News. Can always Um, count on Georgie. Little Georgie, you know. Um, All right, so he gave his interview, and he claims he didn't fire a weapon on the set of this movie? It's really, this this audio is is so strange. Let's play it. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, no, no. no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. What did you think happened? How did a real bullet get on that set? I have no idea. Someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. I didn't pull the trigger? I would never aim a gun at anyone? Well, then how the hell did this happen? Because every report up to this, correct me if I'm wrong, Linda, was that, you know, he thought it was a safe gun, was told it was a safe gun. And now he's saying he never even pulled the trigger. Yeah. That he never, ever point a gun at anybody. This feels very, very odd. And I it, there's also multiple witnesses who said that they saw him point the gun. So I'm just like, are they now going to be all recanting? I mean, I just something's really off here. I didn't pull the trigger. On the firearm that killed one person, wounded another. I would never point a gun at anyone and pull the trigger at them. Never. In his first uh, upcoming interview with Georgie Stephanopoulos. All right, that is that is weird and that is bizarre. I mean, that's really bizarre. Um, but you know, I will say this: he. So we have a history with Alec Baldwin. He doesn't like us. I don't know, you know, and I'm not sure why. We used to have these epic. Twitter fights when I used to go on Twitter. I don't go on Twitter anymore. You know, I will say this. You know, the few times that Sweet Baby James will print it out, and it's Twitter's not the same. Every conservative, we used to have like 80, 90% of people on Twitter would like what we put up. Now it's like 90% hate. And I think the reason is conservatives have abandoned it in droves. They've just said they've had enough. And it's now now with this new CEO being, you know, a content censorer, um, even worse than at Jack. It just it makes no point. Look, I don't know whose parlor looked like it had a lot of promise and it kind of didn't work out. Uh, There are other efforts of other people to put together a competitor to Twitter. I don't think the answer is government government regulation. The, The problem is. You know, when you have freedom of speech and you want to really have a free speech forum, okay, what do you do when people post something that's so obviously bigoted, hateful, and racist? What do you do then? What do you do? Do you just say that's part of it? Now they're saying on Twitter that, like, let's say you're at, you know, one of the 535 riots that won't be investigated by Liz Cheney because she only cares about one where we lost dozens of Americans, thousands of cops injured, billions in dollars of property damage, arson and looting, et cetera. We're not going to investigate those. Um, and you have the predetermined outcome of the January 6th committee. It's predetermined. As soon as they kicked off Jim Jordan and Jim Banks, it was over and put on, Kin- what did they put on? Kinzinger and, and Liz Cheney. You know, Liz Cheney's sole motivation seems to be in life is to purge the Republican Party of Donald Trump. And if that means aligning and partnering with Nancy Pelosi and every Democrat 
that wanted to put her father and Scooter Libby in jail for the rest of their lives. The very people that called her father a war criminal and a murderer. The very people that uh, called her father a crook. You know, I guess that shows where they stand. They seem to care so much about foreign policy. Uh, where's the criticism of Joe Biden's not standing up for Taiwan? And Joe Biden's, you know, now that we learn from Miranda Devine's book, sitting in meetings, doing business deals with the communist Chinese. Or, or of course, I'm gonna, you're not getting the billion until you fire the prosecutor investigating my son being paid millions with no experience. Not interested. Russia is now putting more troops on the border with Ukraine. Clearly, it looks like another Crimea in in the making. That's another bad situation. Where's Liz Cheney on that? Um, you live in Pennsylvania, Linda. So uh, I do. Did you happen to catch Dr. Oz last night um, on the TV show? Yeah, he was great. I mean, you know, I think one of the interesting parts you know, about Dr. Oz and him running for Senate. And quite frankly, I'm all for any private, you know, practice, business person, truck driver, you know, average Joe, I'm not a politician running for office because I think they're going to be a lot more in touch with their constituents than any politician that is running around, you know, in office and they're just in there for perpetuity. They don't care anymore. You know, somebody like a Dr. Oz, you know, that was the wild card with Trump. So I had a kind of similar experience, a little bit different than when Donald Trump was thinking about running. And, you know, I'd known him for, you know, however many years, 20 years, maybe at the time. I don't remember. And anyway, and he was thinking about running and we had these, you know, never ending conversations. At one point, they became almost like nightly. And this was him and him and I just talking about issues. And and there were things that he actually you know, convinced me of what good ideas. For example, if we're going to fight in Iraq, then they we ought to take their oil, for example. I'm like, yeah, we ought to give it to the families of of those that are, have fallen, aiding and assisting in Iraq, getting their country back. Yeah, I agree with that. They should have to pay us. Just like China should have to pay the whole world for this virus that they unleashed on everybody. And 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 Fauci, frankly, his knowledge, he just keeps lying. I think Ted Cruz and Rand Paul have been phenomenal on it. There's some one thing that really stood out. And he said this to me many times in the course of the discussions, because I said, listen, Dr. Oz. And, and I got to know him during the early days of covid because we would always, you know me, I don't sleep. So I'm, it's two or three o'clock in the morning and he would always be making calls, you know, to European countries early late night eastern time early morning their time and asking questions about anecdotally what do you see working because we had nothing to work with at the time i think it was april in 2020 when dr daniel wallace who works at cedar sinai who had the largest lupus and rheumatoid arthritis uh, um, practice in the country and was the premier expert on hydroxychloroquine said that the risk of taking it is nil. Now, there was no evidence at that time, except anecdotally, that it might help. Turns out now there are multiple studies, starting with the Henry Ford Hospital study and then many other studies, 84% effectiveness in mitigating symptoms, 
I personally believe that monoclonal antibodies are by far the, the best and most underutilized weapon for people vaccinated and unvaccinated. They get COVID. But anyway, so I got to know him then. And then at some point, he started thinking about this political career, and, and we just started talking about politics. And I don't know, Linda, I think you probably remember, it wasn't that long ago, many people that I, I, I told people in 2015 and 16 that Donald Trump, if he was elected, would govern as a conservative. Remember I said that? Yes, you did. I many, really many should times. name names because you know who they are. I mean... People that think said they were my friend or people that I'd helped in their career in some way or, you know, had a good relationship with. They were like eating me up and spitting me out. Yeah, and, it was repulsive. Well, and but the difference was and I and in a, a lot of ways, you know, my job is to be honest with my audience. And I knew the conversations I had and, and some of them were harsh. There was a back and forth on issues and I wanted to know for sure if he was really if he really believed in lower taxes. I wanted to know for sure how he really felt about the bureaucracy and health care and energy. I mean, we had so many discussions about energy. And we remember we did build, you know, uh, drill here, drill now, save, pay less. Right. With, with Newt Gingrich, we've done this. How many years ago did we do? You we know, did get America like back a, to work. I mean, that yeah, was a huge project fair. that we did, the job fairs. We did that in 2010 to 2012. Then we did right. the the um, Conservative um, Freedom Caucus and Conservative Solutions Caucus. You know, we wrote that up in 2014. I mean, we it's been nonstop. And I've been consistent. I'm like, so I would say that. And then he governed more conservatively than any president by far in the modern era. And that means the wall. And that means energy independence and that means better freer fairer trade deals um i think foreign enemies adversarial countries hostile regimes i think they had a genuine fear of him he beats the caliphate takes out Soleimani in a an incredible uh, uh you know display of our of our military might uh baghdadian associates the al-qaeda leader in yemen i mean incredible accomplishments the economy pre-COVID was what record after record low unemployment rate for every demographic in the country because conservatism works. So I, when I put my conservative credentials on the line, um, I don't do it lightly. Now, I have made mistakes. You know, Ben Sass the ass is probably one of them. I mean, he convinced all of us. Um, but there's something about Dr. Oz that really impresses me. His knowledge level I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that want to run for office, run for office that have never been in politics, a lot of them. And everything that he said on the border last night, everything he said on COVID, about COVID last night, everything he said about the economy last night, everything he said about judges last night, everything he said about energy independence last night, I agree with. And, and conservatism is not that complicated. And the policies work. I keep saying Joe could fix all of these problems and that all these problems we're now facing crises, if you will, were all preventable. But they're also something we can fix. You know, what? as a conservative, if you haven't heard my one minute spiel, it's I believe in liberty and freedom and capitalism, our Constitution. I believe in low taxes, limited government, less bureaucracy. 
instead of putting a stranglehold on business. I believe in choice and education. Let the parents decide. Um, I believe in free market solutions to health care, medical savings accounts, health care cooperatives. Of course, we're going to take care of the poor and, and people that can't afford it and those with pre-existing conditions. We're a compassionate country. Um, I believe that, you know, we need conservatives on the bench, constitutionalists that respect the role of the other co-equal branches of government. I believe in free and fair trade, peace through strength. I think parents should have a role in our education. You know, I believe in putting my hand over my heart and standing for the Pledge of Allegiance and and proudly saying we're, you know, one nation under God, hopefully, prayerfully indivisible. We can resolve our differences. Liberty and justice for all. That we are guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not equal results. I want our borders controlled. This is not complicated stuff. And the thing is, is every time we use conservatism and a conservative philosophy. Now, is he like a Sean Hannity? No, he, he comes at it from a very different perspective. And anybody that's willing to give up the millions and millions and millions of dollars that he can make in syndicated television. Syndicated television is usually like the highest paying jobs in TV. Because he wants to serve the country. And he went into the this this long explanation about why he feels compelled and called to run and what this country has done for him and how broken the system is and how he he basically sees, you know, the problems the same way that any conservative would. I mean, what did you take out of it? I think one of the most important things that I took from what he said, and I respect him. I mean, he's he was terrific on the show all through COVID and came on every day, no matter how little sleep he had gotten or how much work he had done. But I think the part where he said he wanted to give back to a country that had given him so much and that, yeah, he doesn't have to do this. And yeah, it isn't because, you know, he, he really does feel a calling, you know, and that to me was very reminiscent of Trump. I, the first thing I said to him, I said, why would you want to put yourself through that hell? Yeah, because everybody, they're just going to trash him every day. I said, and, all they're gonna, oh, you're going to get the crap kicked out of you every day. <laughs> you know his answer? And, it, well, you and that's the, the... He goes to me, well, you get the crap kicked out of you every day. And I said, yeah, but I'm missing that ship that gives a damn. But you also, care. you signed up for this. Like, you love the media. That's what you signed up for. And obviously, he does, too. He has clearly a very successful, you know, multimedia enterprise, you know, doing what he does. But he said but I one think, more thing. He said, uh, I want to serve. Yeah. And that struck me because all these politicians, they don't, they don't they don't view themselves as servants, public servants. They don't. Oh, God, no. They could care less. 